Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I'm joined by guest Mitch Kowalski. Mitch, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. To get started, uh, for folks who haven't heard your name before, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, well, I've, I've been a lawyer for about 30 years, uh, in-house at uh, large firms, small firms, on my own. I do a lot of writing and thinking and speaking on innovation in legal services and how lawyers can do things much better for their clients. And so that's uh, that leads into the, the hourly billing mm -hmm. discussion. Right. So I posted a sort of uh, anti-timesheet thread on Twitter that you chimed in on, and we had never met before, but I saw the word legal in your bio, and I was very excited to talk to you because legal seems like, as far as I can tell from the history, it's the source, the origin of hourly billing and professional services, and it seems to have taken root like like no other in that mm. particular profession. So let's start here. Uh, you have uh, you have to remind me the title of the book, but it's like uh, the innovation innovating legal services book. What's that called? Uh, well, there's a, avoiding extinction, and <laughs> yeah, and then there's the great legal reformation. So there's two of That's them out the there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let me let me just stop you there because it's interesting that and I teach a course at legal innovation in legal innovation at the University of Calgary Law School up in Canada, and. So we, we talk about hourly billing, we talk about technology, we talk about all these sorts of things. But the, the, the thing that I always drop on the students is the fact that hourly billing in the legal profession is not as old as people think. Mm -hmm. It really only started, you know, after World War II. And so pre-World War II, you know, for however hundreds of years there were of lawyers, People just kind of, you know, figured it out without billing by the hour. So in the scheme of the lifespan of the legal profession, it is, an, it is a pretty recent phenomenon. Um, and there is, there is this perception in the legal profession, sadly, that that's the only way you can do it, even though if you talk to lawyers who, you know, are much, much older, they'll say, actually, we didn't do that. And mm. interestingly enough, I was speaking at a conference several years ago. Where one of those lawyers was the audience says, yeah, when I when I first started at this firm, you know, in 1955 or whenever, we didn't, you know, we switched to hourly billing later, but we actually just build our clients based on what we thought, you know, the file was worth. Mm -hmm. We had a discussion on it. So, I, I mean, I just throw that out there because, you know, there is this perception out there that it's been around forever and it, it really hasn't. I, that's good to know. I, I've read a perhaps apocryphal story on the internet where sometimes it's not true what you find on the internet uh, that that clearly indicated that it was more like 30s era and that there was some kind of almost like regulation around that that lawyers had to do it. So it was sort of like fairness or transparency in pricing. Maybe this is all made up, but I did read it. Um, but so so maybe you could t what was the genesis of it in the 50s or whenever? Well, the, 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 the materials that I've found really is that the legal profession um, <clears throat> wasn't, it, it wasn't what it's thought of today. I mean, it was a good profession. Um, you know, you made decent money. You didn't make insane money. You didn't make the kind of money that a lot of people are making now. And there was a perception that lawyers were losing, uh, losing money because they weren't following a, a, a time-based billing type of system. 
And so there, there's an article, uh, and you know the it escapes me now, but it it was in you know after World War II where they were they were comparing professions and saying lawyers you're losing out you should be going to an hourly billing system, and so as a result of that it really sort of caught fire, um, and and people started using it you know fifties, sixties, you know and then it just went it went crazy after that. So huh. I mean there it there. There may have been firms using it, you know, pre-World War II. Uh, I don't think it, it was as widespread, certainly, as it is today. And again, that's that's what my research has, has found. So it's not too far off from what you were saying. Um, whether there is a requirement for it, I think is completely false. Um, I mean, that may be an argument in favor of it saying that it's that it is transparent, but you know, Jonathan, we all we all know that hourly billing is is not accurate. Number one, yeah. and, and 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 prone to all sorts of problems. So it, it's it's that's kind of a hard argument to make these days. I know it's so. I I think to the the someone who's not familiar with it, or maybe when it, when it was the innovation in pricing, if you even want to call it pricing, I don't think it is. But and and you could sort of. Plenty of people have made the argument to me that anything other than hourly billing is not fair because you to the client because you are charging each client differently for the same amount of your time, and there and that's that's an that's to me that's nonsensical because the it's not transparent at all because you you don't know how long it's going to take. So okay, so it's a hundred dollars an hour. Great, total tr total transparency, right? Even if even if the hourly even if the timesheets were correct and not lie sheets then you have not given the 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 buyer a price it's like saying shingles cost uh, 75 cents each now i've given you a price for a roof yeah <laughs> exactly it doesn't make and, sense yeah it, it it doesn't make it it is it is a, a a very odd way to look at the at, at the world because everything we purchase we know how much it's going to cost when i go to a restaurant i know how much it's going to cost when i you know get go buy a car i know how much i'm going to cost it i don't get charged saying okay i want to buy a car and you know it's going to take 40 guys and their hourly rates are this and you know the prices of the parts are this and we'll sort of you know it'll get built whenever it gets built and mm -hmm. then you'll pay whatever that price is there's you know the car business would go out of business <laughs> pretty yeah. quickly there's a great video of a guy walking into a sandwich shop and saying, oh, how much for a pulled pork sandwich and fries? And they say, oh, $60 an hour. <laughs> it's like, thanks. Yeah. How long does, well, how long does it usually take? Well, usually it takes about 10 minutes, but remember that one time, Bob, it took like two hours. It's crazy. Yeah, it, 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 it is, it is I, I mean, I guess just to go back to, um, you know, incentives and, and, you know, whether it's fair or not, I, I mean, mm -hmm. I guess it's, it's fair in the sense that if the clients, you know, if I give you a number, it's a thousand bucks, you agree it's a thousand bucks. What's unfair about that. Right. I mm -hmm. mean, I mean, we've all agreed. You could say no, right. We could haggle about it. We could do whatever, but at least we've all agreed what it is and we're not going to have a fight about it later on. Whereas, you know, when you bill by the hour, you're probably going to have a fight if things go off the track at the end. People are going to say, wow, that's, I really wasn't expecting it to be 15 K. Right. And yeah. if you would have told me it was 15 K on day one, I would have said goodbye. Right. And so, you know, 
the incentives are so perverse. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, from a client's perspective, I want to know what the price is, or at least I want to know a ballpark of it. Mm -hmm. And I want to know that you're actually working towards that. And, you know, I've, I've dealt with outside counsel because I've, I've done uh, general counsel work and stuff. And, and I always remember this one file I had from this firm that I will obviously never use again uh, as an external counsel who we asked for a quote on a file and the, they said, well, we, we can't give you a quote. We can give you an estimate. And of course, we're not bound by the estimate. And of course, mm -hmm. the estimate was just, you know, an interesting marker on the journey that they said, oh, yeah, I know that's what we estimated. But, you know, it we, you know, it, it didn't cost that. So too bad for you. <laughs> it's like, right. So it, it is so perverse to have a service, uh, uh, a service supplier who is incentivized to spend as much time as possible and go down as many rabbit holes as possible um, and, and say that they're actually acting for the best interest of the clients. When the client says, hey, I just want a solution that I can live with and I want to know how much it costs. Right. So, you know, the, the non-alignment drives me a little bit crazy. And it is, I, I struggle when I deal with lawyers who don't understand that because I just think it's pretty obvious, but you know, it's obviously not in their interest to understand that. So, yeah, so <laughs> there you go. What, I was that was my next question, which is which is pro probably of any industry, legal is the one that is. I, th I think the expectation is the highest that that it's going to be an hourly type of an engagement. Perhaps, maybe not, but it's right up there. So, I would imagine that most new lawyers or, or law students are just assuming that's what they're going to do before like that's probably i imagine it's not even a question in their mind it's just like oh you know uh, i hope my hourly rate starts out at what you know whatever a good hourly rate X. for a lawyer is yeah. yeah and so how do you what in your class how do you disabuse them of the notion that that is anything but a collective hallucination or bad for the client or bad for them is there a way that you describe it that makes it land for them um well we we run through that the, the you know, the conflicting incentives and, and some light bulbs go off on that and say, Oh yeah. Uh, but then of course they fall back to the fact that while well, we're lawyers and we're special and that's, that's just the way it is. Um, I think what, what triggers it more is where uh, for those law, for those law students who are interested in access to justice and, you know, the high cost of legal services is, is nothing new, but it seems to be resonating more and more with students these days. Mm -hmm. And, and so they're looking, there are a certain group of students who are looking to provide services to the greatest amount of people at a cost that's, that's affordable. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what triggers for other people is the fact that when I say, okay, let me give you this scenario. And this is a real life scenario that happened. I wasn't involved with this. This is, this is our law firms in the UK who were telling me this story when I was in the UK. And they said, look, uh, we had this client who came to us on a Friday night uh, for their IPO that was going live on you know Monday. Mm. And Friday night, some weird thing came up that, that had to get resolved. Otherwise, the IPO would have been pushed off or canceled. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is not what, you know, nobody wants that to happen. Right? right. The cost of that is, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars to, to change these things. And so they gave it to their law firm and said, look, you know, what can we do about this? And so the law firm worked all weekend long 
um, and sorted out the issue and the IPO went ahead on Monday and they issued the bill to the client and they said, you know, here's our bill for the three guys who worked all weekend long at X number of dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the scheme of, you know, a billion dollar IPO or 500 million IPO, you could never bill enough time to, to make up for the value you provided to your client by saving their IPO. Right. right. So you have three people, even if they work 15, build 15 hours a day for, you know, two days, that's only 30 hours times the number of people times their rate. It's still going to be meaningless in the meaningless. scheme. Of right. And, and the client actually says like, look, um, actually tell you what, we're really happy you guys did such a good job. Can you double that? Mm-hmm. Just double it because you're not charging us enough for the value you provided. And so I say to the students, look, you're leaving money on the table in a lot of cases because hourly billing is capped by the number of hours per day. That's it. You you max out. Value-based billing or uh, or any kind of fixed fee billing, you don't have that cap on your earning. You can... You can earn as much as you would like to earn based on the value you're providing. And so you're shooting yourself in the foot in a lot of cases by just sticking to, well, I only worked two hours on it. It was hugely helpful to the client, but I can only build them two hours at 300 bucks an hour. So, uh, <laughs> you know, is that is that a good thing or a bad thing? You guys tell me. Yeah. I, I once read an article, I think it was from one of the Verisage guys about... Uh, you know, it was also an interview with a lawyer and he was sort of a, a highfalutin New York type of lawyer. And, you know, they asked, they said, oh, how come you don't have an hourly rate? And he's like, because I don't want to get paid like a cab driver. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm I'm delivering massive value. You know, he was like uh, well-known, had big clients and they had big, big expensive problems. And they trusted him. He had a reputation for uh, winning or whatever, de- delivering like a successful outcome to his clients, whatever it was. And if you especially for people in that situation where you're you're a brand name or you're well known as the go-to person for a particular thing and you're attracting uh, clients with a lot of buying power and they have you know expensive problems then you, it's, it's exactly right you're completely leaving money on the table it, unless so uh, some people have reported to me that they're aware of lawyers who charge like $800 an hour $2000 an hour and and I'm like, well, at that point, it's not even the like, at that point, nobody's even worried about the money. Like, like mm-hmm. they might as well just say it's going to be 50 grand and I'll be done tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's, it's what what is the what is a, a range like in your experience? What is sort of in the normal distribution? What's an hourly rate for a lawyer? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, you're asking me how long a piece of string is, but uh... <laughs> I know. But generally speaking, <laughs> it's, it's, look, generally speaking. OK, so. Um, if you're in a major center you're and you are dealing with partner level lawyers at, at mm-hmm. a big firm, um, yeah. you're looking at, let's see, I'm just trying to think of the last bills I paid uh, as general counsel. Uh, you're looking at 700 bucks an hour minimum, minimum, mm-hmm. minimum. Um, and so 700 to a thousand, maybe, you know, a bit more than that. But that the guys who are charging that again are super niche kind of you know weird stuff um so you're looking 700 1000 um if you are dealing with a general practitioner in sort of mid-range mid-market you're 
you know, you're looking four to 500 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of, and, and a lot of, you'll see in a lot of the smaller firms or solo practice, those lawyers tend to get this whole concept and are much more willing to, uh, fix their fees on stuff because they're forced to be hyper efficient because if you're a solo practitioner right it's just you you might have some clerks you might have a you know admin assistant maybe two admin assistants but i mean it's it's all you all the time it's your own solo business you don't have any safety net if this thing falls through so you have to be hyper cognizant of all the business um the, the, the rules of business is that you have to make money uh, and in order to make money you have to price yourself in a manner that the clients find acceptable. And then you got to work towards that price to make sure that you make some money off that. So those, uh, depending on on the type of work you're doing, you'll see a lot more fixed fee or value billing in those kinds of uh, arrangements. Mm, yep. In fact, I think the last the last uh, couple of lawyers I've had on the show uh, did a couple of, couple of interesting different styles. One, one was a soloist and had just like a menu of prices for he was specifically in like ip law um and but one thing that has come up when i have talked to lawyers before is what what do you recommend in terms of a pricing model for someone who and correct my terminology because it basically is limited to my experience of watching csi but (laughs) someone who's like on a trial and and they have they really how much control or or how how much control over the duration do they have or how much and if they don't have control how well can they estimate their time commitment so that if they do give a a, a fixed fee and it is accepted they don't end up working 10 times more than they expected right so <clears throat> i mean it's a lot harder when you're earlier in career because you're fresh you're new you don't really know how things work you don't think you you haven't seen how things typically play out uh whereas when you're much more experienced you go yeah i know exactly how this is gonna go (laughs) and i've dealt with these guys before so i know exactly how this is gonna play out but the, the the short answer is is that for a lot of things you don't necessarily price so i'll do everything for x you break it into chunks and you say okay so if you want me to litigate this matter, happy to do so. So the cost of a statement of claim is X, mm-hmm. right? And then they will respond. And then if I have to do the next step is Y. And then if we have to do um, some motions, bring some motions on each motion is, you know, Z mm-hmm. and so on. Like you, you break it into chunks. You never in an undetermined kind of uh fuzzy area where you don't have a lot of control, you, you break it into, into chunks and every step is priced accordingly. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and, and a lot of times you'll just say, okay, um, how, I don't know how many, you know, maybe we don't have to bring any motions, but I'm just telling you right now, if, if we have to bring a motion to compel something, um, we'll talk about it at that time. Because we'll we'll all have full information as what's going to happen. All I can tell you is that chunk chunk chunk. If you know my rate is thousand dollars a day in trial or five thousand a day, so you know, hopefully it's not more than three days. Typically, this matter is three to five days, and you know, but it is chunks. And then you have change orders, 
in the event that something goes totally awry and you can say, well, look, you know, my pricing for this chunk was based on these parameters. This totally crazy thing happened. So we all agreed that we would reassess it at that time. Like when you're building a house, right? Mm -hmm. And you find out that, you know, there's uh, contamination in the ground. The builder doesn't charge you the same price. The builder says, hey, dude, like <laughs> cost of remediating this land is crazy. So guess what? That's that's a change order. That's something we have to change. Or it turns out that the earth uh, is not going to support this kind of a structure. And so therefore, there has to be a change to that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it, you just have to be a lot more thoughtful in a value billing type of scenario. And lawyers typically don't like to have to scope things out and think about how this will play out. It's it's a lot easier to just say, put your head down, put the clock on, and away I go. Right. Um, it's easy. Right. Hourly billing is easy. Hourly billing is super easy, right? You don't have to think at all. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't have to strategize. You don't have to really do anything, right? Because it's just like it is what it is. Um, just pay me. And, and trust me that somehow I was efficient, even though there's no way to determine if I was really efficient. And you're uh, not financially incentivized to be efficient. No, I'm not financially incentivized to use, you know, any tools that would help me do things better, faster and cheaper, like none. It's yeah. a lot easier for me to just say, ah, yeah, you know what? I, I could learn to use Microsoft Word a lot better and make things a lot, you know, faster, but why <laughs> yeah, you're going to pay me regardless yeah. it, it just just simple to it like and i'm not even talking about like crazy ai and you know this this the uh the gpt chatbot thing mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like i'm not even talking about that i'm just talking about basic you know systems and being really really good at the process and your technology for the benefit of your client but there's there's zero incentive there's no incentive that. right like why would i learn the keyboard shortcuts or why would i use dictation okay, software yeah. like yeah. why why would i why would i make sure that my precedent documents are like amazing and um have you know are connected to a document automation system so that you know you know i i type in the information once and it goes into seven different documents why would i do that <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving money on the table if i do that Right. And it's, and it's a non-trivial, it can be a non-trivial investment depending on how fancy you want to get yeah. uh, to make yourself faster and therefore be penalized financially. It's just, right. it, but, yeah. go, but going back to our value pricing, right? Like if, if, if what, what I, you know, I, I don't know why lawyers don't get this connection, but if I was doing that kind of a system uh, or that kind of work and I would say, okay, um, I know what documents are involved and i know the system will do this super fast so that allows me to price now i now i can value price this right, right? now i can say okay um i know that doing a shareholders agreement i can price it at three thousand dollars or mm -hmm. something because i know doing the first draft takes me four seconds <laughs> so okay and and you know i'm using that document over and over again so you know I, I'm making money off something that I spent a weekend on five years ago to perfect, yep. but it's making money for me over and over and over again. But, yeah, you created an asset, you created leverage, yeah. and like that—that that concept. I, I mean, I was an hourly biller, and I'm a recovering hourly biller, and and I remember the first time 
when I went, I left the firm I was at where we were billing by the hour and I, I left to start a, a, my own thing and figure out how to not bill by the hour. Basically the same kind of firm, just solo and not billing by the hour. And almost instantly, it magically occurred to me to solve a client problem by buying another piece of software instead of building it. Yep. And I was like, I, I, I was, it was like, it was like, I almost blacked out. It was like, I had an out of body experience. I was like, I never would have thought of that before. It wasn't like I was actively thinking, oh, I have to build everything by hand and I would never search around and try and solve this problem more. But I just never thought of it. Just never occurred to me. And then sure enough, as soon as the, as soon as I get paid more by working less, yeah, all of a sudden my brain, some part of my brain was like, Hey dude, there's gotta be a plugin that does this. There's has to be. Yeah. And all this, <laughs> guess what? There was, there was right. Imagine. So, right. So the thing got done way faster for the client, which he liked. I had to work, you know, way less than I expected to. And everybody was happy, right? Cause he's, he got the same outcome he wanted and, and, and multiply that by 5 million software developers mm -hmm. who really should know better and who most, most of them yeah, exactly. <laughs> love efficiency. They love writing a little shell script that does their job for them, but they, but they, your, their brains will not allow them to think of that stuff because it penalizes them financially if they're billing for their time and not their expertise or efficiency or efficacy. It's, it's, like, it's madness. It's amazing. Well, let's talk about mental health for a section because mental health is a hot topic in legal. Um, mm -hmm. it, it is is the mental health of lawyers is is horrible, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the stats are are you know you have normal regular people and then you have lawyers and then you know their their suicide, their depression rates, their addiction rates are off the charts. Mm -hmm. And part of it, I mean, there's there's a lot of stress depending on which areas of law you're doing. Sure, totally get that. But there's also the the stress of meeting your billing targets and just pounding hours. And then you you get in this weird mindset where, you know, your focus is I got to I got to hit my 180 hours this month or 200 hours this month. And so your life is consumed by that. That takes, you know, when you're with your family, that's all you're thinking about is like, oh, you know, spent two hours with my kid. That's two hours that I could have been billing. That's costing mm -hmm. me money. Like yeah. everything becomes, you know, this is costing me money. Going to a movie is costing my money. Taking my wife out for dinner is costing me money. I could be billing this, you know, mm -hmm. I vacation, forget about it. I'm, you know, and, and it, and it, it plays with your head. Right. Oh yeah, and, totally. And, and I found that when, when I did my own thing and I, you know, first of all, I, I, I was never really good at recording my time. I hated recording time as a pain in the neck um, and it wasn't terribly accurate. But once I went off on my own, just as you did, it's like, oh, first of all, my head is much better because, okay, now I just, I don't worry about writing down my time and do this. So all I'm trying to do is do the work for the client at the price that we agreed. And, you know, I'm happy with the price. So it takes whatever it takes Obviously, I don't want to spend my whole life on a file, but the control that I have really improved my mental health. Same thing happened to me like day one. All of a sudden I was like, oh, I don't have to worry about my hours. I can just worry about making my client happy, which yep. is what you should be worried about. Yep. <laughs> it's 
it's that there's so there's this quote by Henry Ford. I you know well there's so many quotes by Henry Ford and whether they're true or not. But the one that I really like that no one really talks about is and and I'm assuming that this is correct. I you know I haven't traced it all the way back, but um, allegedly he said you know nobody talks about what the price should be. They talk about what the price is. And so if we if we say the price for this piece of work should be X and we work backwards from that, how do we make how do we make that work cost X? And what do I have to do to make it cost X in a manner that gives me some profit? Right. And that and, and allegedly that, you know, that's why he came up with the lines. Right. Assembly lines is like, you know, we need to make a car that people can afford. And we figured out that people can afford cars that cost a thousand bucks. And so therefore, how do we make the car? How, how do we how do we do it so that the car costs a thousand bucks and I still make money? Yep. And, yeah. Ikea and, does the and, same thing. Ikea's Ikea's designers are, are tasked like this. We need an end table that we can sell for twenty nine dollars. Yeah. Elon Musk thinks the same way, whatever you think about Elon Musk. He thinks the same way. It's like we need to collapse the the prices of uh, space travel by ten. We it needs to collapse by ten x. So start with the price and work backwards. And all of a sudden you think, oh, we got to land these rockets. Like we can't throw the rocket away every time. It's like <laughs> yeah. throwing away a plane every time you use it. He's like, okay, yeah. so how do we figure that out, right? And like no one, that was like science fiction. Yeah. My entire life is the idea of a rocket landing on its tail fins was science fiction. But it was like the only way to do it. So, all right, let's figure that out, <laughs> right? So you figure out you you your brain when you you've given a price and you are going to get that no matter how much you work, your brain starts to get really innovative, creative, and you find ways to deliver better results faster because it's in everybody's best interest. It's the, like when the financial incentives are aligned, it's like a it's like magic. Magic happens. Exactly. So let's, yeah, yeah. So, so I I know I'm jumping around. This is very exciting. Um, what is your advice to to students? So law students, they're they're not uh, partner level New York high flying famous lawyer. You know, they're not Johnny Cochran or whatever. So, yeah. what's your advice to them in terms of pricing or like how they should start out on a strong footing? you know, do you say, well, bill hourly at first, but you're going to transition off right after you're well known? Or do you, do you, what, what do you, what's your advice to them in this, in this pricing, like business model yeah. regard? Okay. So, so if, if you're a law student and you're going into a big firm, you're, you're kind of stuck, right? So what, what you should be doing is sucking every bit of knowledge and being very aware of how processes work, what, how the how deals or transactions or trials work so you have an understanding of the ecosystem and what is involved so that when you leave that firm then you have a good good basis for saying okay now i'm a lot more comfortable in pricing matters because i have experience in how things actually work i think it's really difficult to price anything if you don't understand all the pieces of the puzzle and so you, unless you understand the pieces of the puzzle, um, you're done. So if you go in like solo, if you go into solo practice right out of school, I think it's really, really difficult. So what you, you're going to have to do is a is look at the marketplace around you and say, okay, who, who am I servicing? What's my actual market? We, you know, I'm doing family law. Okay, good. Um, what what is the the uh, social economics? Uh, client of my clientele, 
Am I going to do Tiger Woods divorces all the time? Probably not because I'm just out of law school. So who am I going to service? And I had a student who out of law school started her own family law firm and she had a background with technology and she automated every single piece of her practice that she possibly could. <laughs> like and, and like, you know, used, you know, everything that she possibly could, even if it wasn't legal related, because she wanted to deal like all the admin stuff should be, you know, fairly straightforward and, and goes into the system. Um, she didn't have an office. She met clients on their own terms, wherever it was most comfortable for them. And because her overhead was so low and she was so smart about automating whatever she could, she didn't really have to worry about was she, whether she was pricing right because her overhead was so low. So right. the first year, you know, you always make mistakes when you price at the beginning, right? Sure. You, you don't really know. Um, and she made some mistakes, but she also did okay. And now she's, uh, I think she's fourth year out and now she's, she's figured it all out. Hmm. But again, her market is, she said, okay, I'm looking at the market that the law firms can't service because they're too bloody expensive. Hmm. I'm looking, you know, so I'm looking at people who have money, but don't want to pay $15,000 for a divorce. I'm looking at people who have 5k to spend on a divorce. That's my market. Mm -hmm. So how do I, how do I get there? What do I have to do to, you know, attract people and to service people for only five grand for a divorce? Yep. Um, and I, you know, I'm throwing those numbers out just, you know, but that's, it, it was that Henry Ford kind of approach is knowing what market you want to serve, what they're willing to pay, and then build to that standard. Yeah. Build the product that, that is going to have some profit that you can sell at that price. Yeah. And she's doing super well. I'm just, I'm just telling, like I tell my students, I bring her into my, to my class and they, they're, they're astounded because the, you know, everybody assumes that you got to work for the big New York firm. Otherwise you're not going to make any money or, you know, quote unquote, you're a loser. So therefore, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, that mentality it, sure. it happens at all stratas and everybody's at whatever kind of business you're in there, there's that sort of, um, uh, mentality. Yeah, it's just like that. That uh, it's the only. It's the obvious path, and in spite of the all of the the horror stories around, especially around mental health and like grinding. You know, it's like to build forty hours a week, you got to work eighty, or like when you're starting yeah. out, you got to work sixty, and that's really more like a hundred. And you know, <laughs> and, and it's like a badge of honor that you haven't taken a day off in three months. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, well, it's crazy. It, it, it's well, the other thing is that the students don't get that, that we also work through is like, okay, so let's assume you're a partner at a big firm, right? And and you've quote unquote made it, <laughs> you know, um, and you, you have to bill so many, you know, hours, which translate out to, you know, a couple million dollars in billings. But guess what? You only get a percentage of that, right? So um, when you start doing the math, it, it a lot of eyes start opening you say, okay, so I have to build 2 million to take home 500,000. Wow. That, that sounds <laughs> not yeah. very good. Right. So I'm going to kill myself making, you know, the, all the extra money goes to overhead and other partners and all this stuff. Why wouldn't I just go out on my own and work way less harder yeah. and mm -hmm. probably take home the same <laughs> Right. It's a stat. I think it's a status thing where the people are just like, oh, they want to, that's the dream to be like that, you know, that 
suit and cufflinks or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. it, that's the dream. The, it looks like success from the outside, but if you really knew what was going on, of course, I don't know. I don't know either, but I mm -hmm. sure have heard a lot of stories about yeah. the mental health issues in the legal profession. And it's like, well, you know, maybe there's something wrong there. So I applaud your your uh, student who figured it out at a price point, reverse engineered her cost structure to support that profit at that price. Like that's exa that's exactly how I tell software developers to write a proposal. It's like figure out what the 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 appetite is, the budget, you know, not the budget, but like the what yeah. the, you know how much the person thinks the wedding dress is going to cost. How much do you want to spend? Yeah. You know, how much do you want to spend on this software project? How much do you want to invest in this? this thing you're building for your business and you can it's not easy it's a little bit more art than science it's a performance mm -hmm. art and you but you get good at figuring out why the client would bother doing this at all and then you can guesstimate a value to it and then you pick come up with three different numbers that are a fraction of that overall value that you've estimated and then and only then you scope each of each of the things that you would you know, the things that you do at each of those price points and you do it in such a way that you would be fist pumpingly happy for them to pick any one of the three options. Yeah. So it's different than, you know, like you listed before, kind of a phased approach where you're kind of pricing milestones as they come up. But this, and this is a little bit different, but, um, but I also, I also, especially for people that are just getting used to the idea, they're going off hourly and they want to start dipping their toe into value pricing to make the scope as small as possible. The initial scope, the first project with the client as small as possible, which is the reverse of what they're used to doing. They're used to, yeah. they want to make it as big as possible. And then they lowball an estimate to get the gig. And then they blow past the estimate because, because of course they did, because that's yeah. how the financial incentives are aligned or misaligned. So this, this has been amazing. I would, we should definitely keep in touch, but where can people go to find out more about you? Maybe reach out to you on social media. If they've got, maybe if there's a lawyer listening who'd sure. like to find out more. Yeah, well, I'm on LinkedIn. You can you can watch me on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter uh, at Emmy Kowalski. I'm on Twitter a lot, and or you can just uh, go to my website Kowalski.ca. Super easy. Always happy to chat with people who are like minded and or just want to chat about things if you're getting started. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your background, your experience, expertise. I hope people run out and buy your book. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I hope you join me in next time on Ditching Hourly. Bye. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one -on -one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. -L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.